first, let me tell you about Good Ranchers. Um, America is, uh, is under siege right now, and our food systems are under siege. The idea of the World Economic Forum is to change the way we grow our food, what we eat, uh, our traditions, our history. And our ranchers and farmers are in trouble right now. I want to make sure that you have a way to get right directly to the ranchers, to get American beef. Uh, and you could do that by going to goodranchers.com slash Glenn. You go to goodranchers.com slash Glenn. You're going to find the best of uh, meats and the fish. You can find them now uh, and get free express shipping. You can make gatherings at the table a common uh, a common uh, uh, thing again. Bringing people back to the table and bringing your family and having some good meat from Good Ranchers. American beef. Now $30 off your order plus free shipping. It is goodranchers.com slash Glenn. Do you remember the ozone layer panic of the 1980s? Oh my gosh. There's a hole in the ozone and we're all going to die. Major Hollywood blockbusters would have apocalyptic plots that would include images of the now ozone depleted earth. Oh my God. In a world with no ozone layer, everyone will die. Yet we're still alive, aren't we? We survived that one strangely, didn't we? Could someone call in and confirm that we did in fact? Well, maybe we're all dead and we're in hell. That would explain, you know, this administration. Uh, But somehow or another, we all magically just stopped talking about the ozone layer. But then there was acid rain. Oh my gosh, acid rain was so bad, we're all gonna die. Then there was global cooling. Now, these all happen, you know, relatively in my childhood. It seems the longer you live, the more of these doomsday climate scenarios you have to endure and all of the movies that go along with it. It is exhausting. But there's a new emergency. In a world without a climate, will we all die? I'll tell you about the new emergency in 60 seconds. In almost all cases, the secret to success in buying or selling a home is having the right real estate agent. But I'm a regular Joe. I mean, I'm a dope. I don't know how to, how do I even interview a real estate agent? Oh, you're gonna sell my home? Yeah. For a lot of money? Yeah. All right, then, you're hired. I mean, 
I don't know what I look for in a real estate agent. Well, at least I didn't. And then I started doing some work with the 500 uh, best real estate agents in the country, according to the Wall Street Journal. And I learned a lot. I learned a lot. And in my frustration of always having a problem selling my house, uh, we started uh, Real Estate Agents I Trust because I knew I couldn't be alone. How do you find somebody, first of all, that is experienced, has the right qualifications, has the right track record, um, and also somebody that I, I know I can say, is this the master bedroom? Without them going, oh my gosh, you're such a bigot. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Find the right real estate agent for you. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Oh my gosh. In a world, in a world so united, pushing actual climate policy, it's, peer, it's fear porn. Will we survive? The Great Reset was just, uh, what, two years ago, a conspiracy. Now, uh, about 60% of America uh, believes uh, in the Great Reset, knows what it is, still not enough, but a lot of people are waking up every day. And I've never seen anything like it. Never seen anything like it. They really, the left really has done their homework. This is an ingenious thing. It's pushed by the United Nations and governments all over the world, financial institutions like the Bank of America and City and the IMF. You can't dismiss the fear porn anymore because the global elites have no intention of letting their current crisis go the way of the ozone layer hysteria of the 1980s. And they intend for this one to stick. So what crisis do we have? Oh, my gosh. Have you been outside lately? It's 412 degrees. I actually heard on NPR this morning a report that today... Middle of July, in the summer, in Phoenix. It's going to be 111 degrees today. And I thought, my gosh, that is shocking. Because <laughs> when I lived in Phoenix, years and years and years ago, around this time of the year, is 120 degrees. <laughs> it's not, it's, this is not new, people. This is not new. But every time there is some sort of blip... It's absolute proof. World is on the verge of spontaneously combusting. We're all going to die in a fiery flood. First, we're going to have the fire. Then that'll melt the ice caps. And then it'll flood. It'll put us out. But we'll all be dead. If you live in Arizona, you live in Texas, you're probably laughing right now because why do you have to pay attention to this stuff? We all saw that the government was willing uh, to completely change Everything in the name of COVID. We saw what societies were willing to give up. So what is what is the world planning for the big bad climate monster? Well, Texans are in the middle of a heat wave right now. Today, the heat is supposed to hit 109 with temperatures steady in the low to mid 100s all week and next. Well, this is unprecedented. Well, I mean, Vice News thinks it's unprecedented. I think it's summer in Texas, but this heat is not normal, they wrote. 
Wow, it's not? They go on to conclude this means man-made climate change is an existential threat. And I, I was expecting the next line to be, and that's why we need the Great Reset. But sadly, they held back. But is this out of the ordinary at all? I'm hearing myself come back. Uh, to be blunt, Texans see this again as one of those summers. Heat wave, yes. Something to be cautious about, yes. But not unprecedented. If, you, if you're my age and you live in Texas, you probably remember the heat wave of 1980. It set multiple heat records uh, that have yet to be broken. And this was at the end of global cooling. Uh, the all-time highest temperature, 113 degrees. The longest streak of days with temperatures of at least 142 days. This is in 1980. The longest streak of days with temperatures of at least 90, 79 days. The hottest month based on an average temperature in July. The temperature was 92 for July 1980. Uh, the heat wave then went east. And it cranked temperatures up all over the country to record the highs. And on top of that, a Category 5 hurricane hit at the same time. Now, mm. imagine what the government and the media would have said back then. They would have been freaking out. They would, they would make uh, Chicken Little look like Tom Cruise's Ethan Hawke. I could jump out of that window. Weather events like heat waves can be dangerous. Precautions should be taken. When places like Seattle, at least when I was growing up, nobody had air conditioning. Now, I'm sure they do now, but nobody had it because it's never hot. Hot it, hot in Seattle is like 90. And that's like, that's, that's what? It's 90? I'm afraid I'm going to burst into flames. People are not used to temperatures, but heat waves are normal. I love, I love this. They were talking about, you know, the, uh, the heat wave uh, in England and uh, in Europe. And uh, two main tarmacs are closed. They're closed today. You can't, you can't land a plane in, uh, in uh, England today. Can't do it. Because, quote, the tarmac has melted. Now, I don't know if they're landing their planes on popsicle sticks, but I've never seen a tarmac melt. <laughs> I've seen it get sticky. I've seen it get soft, but I don't think that's melting. Um, I mean, again, maybe they're making it out of, you know, haagen ice cream. I, I don't know. So here's what's happening right now. The climate is showing us that we're all going to die at this rate, the way the temperatures have gone up from, let's just take it from April to today, at this rate, it will be 374 degrees at Christmas. Wow. And there's no stopping it. We've got to stop it. <laughs> so here's what the president uh, is going to do. This, according to the Washington Post today, President Biden is considering declaring a national climate emergency as soon as this week as he seeks to salvage his environmental agenda in the wake of stalled talks on Capitol Hill. Well, yeah, see, Joe Manchin came out. He, he told the Democrats, 
I will not support uh, the the sprawling economic package uh, that includes uh, billions of dollars to address global warming. I won't do it. Now they're saying, how can one person hold the nation hostage? I mean, how can this one Democrat who thinks he knows better than all the other Democrats? Yeah, because we don't work in a collective. We work as individuals. I love this. I love this. How can the majority be held back? You're not the majority. I mean, you, you're the majority holder in Congress, but you got 50 votes with the vice president. That's what you got. That's what you have. So, yeah, the majority is if one guy flips, yeah, that's the majority. You're not the majority. How can we be held back when we have 20 votes in the Senate? How can that possibly be? Oh, they think they know better. Those 80 people think they know better than the rest of us. So the reason why I want to bring this up is it is it is something that I told you would happen. And I told you, in fact, I'm, I'm just going to I'm just going to give you what I told you on television uh, about ooh, two months ago, maybe a month ago. The new changes, uh, what's happening with uh, uh, Build Back Better and the Great Reset, the Constitution and Congress, uh, we are supposed to be able to stand directly in the path of fundamental transformations of our country. That's the Constitution is Build Back Better and the Great Reset. These are um, these are game changing and I think murderous ideas. But merely giving the bureaucrats a new mandate to say, uh, no, we're not doing that. The mandate is instead coming from the president by executive action. Now, listen to this string of details. December 2020, just a few weeks before Biden was inaugurated, a group called the Center for Biological Diversity met with Joe Biden. So they met together. They spearheaded a collection of over 700 groups that make up the most radical climate activist in the country. Now, during the Trump presidency, they made their name by launching insane litigation campaigns, boasting 266 frivolous lawsuits. 266 frivolous lawsuits. They tried to paralyze his administration. On their website, they actually brag about their meeting with Biden and say, they say, quote, they presented him with a progressive climate president action plan and model executive orders. Wow, so they wrote executive orders. Huh. Now, these actions uh, they presented to the Biden uh, administration, and they say, quote, 10 essential climate actions President Biden can do without Congress. They did the work for Biden in ahead of the time. They wrote the model executive orders. So when you ask who's running the country, I can tell you it's special interest groups. So let's start at the bottom and see if, if any of this took uh, number 10, rejoining the Paris agreement check. He did it. Number nine, 
Make polluters pay and prosecute polluters. Number eight, advance climate justice. Number seven, launch a just transition. I mean, does that sound like anything that anybody but a radical would say? I give you the radical Joe Biden. He talked about all of that. Prosecuting uh, uh, polluters, advancing climate justice, and launch a just transition. Number six, 100% renewable energy by 2030. That's why, we, that's why your gas is this high. Then this, there's this, the executive order 14008. It mandates, quote, a carbon pollution-free electricity sector no later than 2035. So it's five years later than the climate uh, activists wanted, but it's 13 years from now. Number five, weaponize the Clean Air Act. Biden's been very vocal about this from day one. He's one of the biggest things that pissed them off uh, that Trump stood in the way of. Uh, Number four, shift financial flows from fossil fuels to climate solutions. That's the new economy. That's BlackRock. That's ESG. Been happening for years now, but Biden's executive orders are doing much, much more now. This Biden executive action, all of these, are reshaping our economy. Except it wasn't reported or described like that. This roadmap describes over half a trillion in federal contracts that would only be going to entities that adequately monitor their emissions. So in other words, they have a good ESG score. They acknowledge the federal government is, quote, the world's single largest purchaser of groups and services, and they state in the order why they're doing this, quote, by identifying and mitigating climate climate risk through procurement, the federal government is leading by example. Deploying public procurement policy is a tool to strategically shape markets. So in other words, manipulate the markets. This is being done at the federal level, manipulating you and the market. And nobody's talking about it. And the SEC is taking it even further. Number two, stop fossil Biden's already done that. Every single one of these actions have been accounted for now, except for number one. And what is the number one thing the president must do without Congress? I'll tell you in 60 seconds. First, let me tell you about uh, the Tuttle Twins. The Tuttle Twins um, uh, are is a series of books that I think everybody must have. They really have to have these books. You need it in your library for your kids, for your grandkids, uh, for your neighbor kids, for any kid that happens to come by. Hey, kid, psst, come here. I'm going to read a history book to you. It's American History, 1215 to 1776. And I can guarantee you, in today's world, you could say, hey, kid, uh, come on over. I'm going to show pornos to you. Or you could say, I'm going to read this history book to you. You'd get in more trouble in today's society for reading a history book, especially this one, because it's a great storybook. History has the word story in it. And that's what our teachers, our professors, our history books have intentionally left out. 
left us memorizing dates and names that mean nothing. This book is the way to teach history to your kids. I urge you to get it at TuttleTwinsBeck.com. They're having their America's History book launch. You can preview a free sample of the chapter at the website, TuttleTwinsBeck.com. You can see for yourself why it's needed, why it's absolutely crucial in the here and now. It is TuttleTwinsBeck.com. 10 seconds, station ID. So what is the number one thing that they can do? What is the number one thing that this radical climate group said to Joe Biden you have to do? Well, he did one through nine. As the Washington Post reports, he's about to do number one. And I shouldn't say that. Um, He's about to do the number one thing they're calling for, and that is declare a climate emergency. Everything has been set up for this. Um, the WHO uh, has already accelerated their plans to protect human health and combat the climate crisis. It's a health crisis. On its founding day, the organization seeks a reimagining and reprioritization of resources to usher in sustainable well-being societies. Wow. Wow. FEMA is already geared up now and ready for a global climate health crisis. WHO, same thing. But Biden, Biden hasn't done it yet. Number one thing they have to do is declare an emergency. Washington Post says... The president has made it clear the Senate doesn't act to tackle climate crisis and strengthen our domestic clean energy industry. He will. Good, good. Watch for a climate emergency. If he declares that, that is the next COVID. The president has extraordinary power. Uh, All extra constitutional. He He can railroad the Constitution legally because it's a national emergency. The Glenn Beck Program. Can you even imagine what they can do? Um, In case you haven't heard yet, America's farmers have recently announced that they are facing an off-the-charts fertilizer shortage. That fertilizer shortage is happening because, I mean, that's why the Dutch are now uh, marching in the streets, the Dutch farmers, because... They are not allowed to use nitrogen in their uh, fertilizer. Well, that, that allows us to grow 30% more food. You can't, you can't grow the food without fertilizer like that. Anyway, the government, um, I think they're just intent on having all of us beholden to them and standing in food lines. Wouldn't you rather be independent? Wouldn't you rather be able to provide for yourself and especially through any kind of crisis or emergency. I want you to go to preparewithglenn.com. Get uh, ready-to-eat three-month emergency food kits for everybody in your family. You'll get $100, $150 off the regular price for each one. 
Uh, they're very delicious, 2,000 calories a day, and you can keep your independence. Preparewithglenn.com. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Uh, we have um, Congressman Ronnie Jackson on with us. I, I read something uh, that he has said, and he's got a new book coming out in a couple of weeks. Um, but I read something that he, he was talking about on President Biden and, if you know, is, is he mentally stable? And I hate people who play doctor, uh, except he actually is a doctor. In fact, he was the uh, the White House doctor, the president's doctor, for three presidents, and I wanted to get him on the phone. Hi, Ronnie. How are you, sir? I, I think we're working to get him back, Glenn. He just he just dropped off, and uh, oh. we're, we're trying to get him back on. Oh shoot! Yeah. Okay. Well, you could just pretend to be him. Uh, Glenn. Hey, I, Ronnie. How are I, you? I'm really good. Thanks uh, for asking. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, he's back good, now. Good. You can actually so you... you can actually ask him. Oh, he's back. Yeah, okay. he is back now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Congressman, C- Congressman, welcome. Thank you, guys. I appreciate y'all having me. Okay, I can't hear him now, but I can hear him through something, speaker of some sort. So, uh, Ronnie, um, uh, I wanted to talk to you about President Biden, because you are somebody who has been a presidential doctor for three presidents. You just left. Uh, And do you know Joe Biden? Have you interacted with Joe Biden? Yeah, absolutely. I know Joe Biden. You know, I was at the White House for eight years, so I was around him on a regular basis. I wasn't his physician. I wasn't clinically responsible for him, but I did oversee the medical team that took care of him. Uh, you know, uh, I was a director of the White House Medical Unit, so the doctors and nurses that provided care to the VP side of the house uh, reported to me. Uh, but yeah, I was around him a lot, uh, you know, at events in the White House and in the West Wing, so I, I do know him. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't take it lightly um i didn't like it when people were saying that you know donald trump was uh you know mentally unfit you may have disagreed with him and you may have thought he was erratic uh but you know there was a method to his quote-unquote madness um but he wasn't he wasn't somebody who was losing it in my opinion uh he is i've just talked to him recently he is extremely sharp um, but Joe Biden, you can see the decline in him. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, we are in such a precarious position. Is this guy fit for office? No, he's not fit for office, Glenn. I'll tell you, I was saying that when he was candidate Joe Biden. And you're right. There's a big difference. The far left, the elites in academic medicine, uh, the mainstream media were just coming after me relentlessly about President Trump. But it was because they didn't like the nature of his tweets. They didn't like his style. Uh, they didn't, you know, th- th- it was his personality that they didn't like. He wasn't, he did nothing to, to demonstrate or to raise any concerns that he had any cognitive decline. But we did a, we did a physical exam. We did a cognitive test as well. Uh, and we, as far as I'm concerned, we've set the standard now. That's the precedent. But Joe Biden is a different story. Joe Biden, you can go back, and I've said this before, you can look at 40 years of tape of this man. He's always been prone to gaffes, but these aren't gaffes anymore. Something serious, something seriously no. 
wrong with him now from a cognitive standpoint. He doesn't know where he's at, what he's doing. He's confused. He looks frail. He shuffles when he walks. He slurs his speech. All signs and symptoms of age-related cognitive decline of some sort. And he does not need to be our commander-in-chief and our head of state if he's not really, you know, if he's not 100%. So I know that, for instance, the Secret Service actually controls the president's body and presence if the president says i want to go and i i'm going to stand right here and they disagree with him because of security they can say mr president i'm sorry we've got to move because he belongs to the 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 people and the and the state and constitutionally they can they have to protect him um and so he can be overridden at times is there anything like this with with medical care, is there anybody that is in a position that should say, uh, excuse me, uh, the, this guy is not capable, or is it only his cabinet? No, there's a variety of people. I mean, a lot of people around him have a responsibility to make sure that they're serving the country the way they were sworn to do so first and foremost would be his his physician i know his physician well the guy worked for me for eight years uh, his name is kevin o'connor he's he's not i would say he's not a great physician he stayed with uh, biden for the eight years because he and biden uh, you know became really close friends and and i think that that's the reason that he's there right now is his physician because he's willing to ignore and cover up anything that's going on and help uh, you know push this forward there a lot of these people should have stopped him from becoming the, the, the nominee, first and foremost, was Jill Biden. So I would say Jill Biden, the president's yeah. personal physician, Kevin O'Connor, uh, the president's cabinet, uh, even the vice president. You know, we have the 25th Amendment, which allows the vice president, along with the majority of the president's cabinet, to uh, to come to Congress and remove him from office. I mean, I, I know they've considered that. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure they have, but I don't know that they'll go down that path. But they're all looking for a way to get rid of him now. But they should have never put him in this position. But people were consumed. They were consumed with the thought of going to the White House and working in the West Wing. And that includes Jill Biden being First Lady. And it includes all of the Obama folks. Uh, Obama had a responsibility, in, in my mind, to stop this. But I think that they were looking at the opportunity to put a whole bunch of Obama people back into the West Wing. And, it's, and they've done just that, led by Susan Rice. So I think there were a lot of other people that were looking after their own interest and ignoring the disaster that we have now. I know that President Obama has, uh, has written you a letter and said, you know, shame on you. I, 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 you know, I consider you a friend and, and everything else. Uh, and shame on you for for talking about Joe Biden this way. Yeah, he did. You know, I uh, it happened a couple of years ago, back in February Ronnie, there? twenty. Yeah. yeah, I'm here. Yeah, uh, he did it. He wrote me a letter. It happened a few a couple of years ago, back in February of 2020. And you know, I, I, it's out now because I wrote a book called Holding the Line, and I, I wrote about it in the book. But uh, I just I retweeted something that Rona McDaniel had sent out where she was, uh, had uh, tweeted out a clip of the, of the candidate, Joe Biden, when he was confused about what office he was running for and, and what state he was in. And I was just frustrated right. with the hypocrisy and the double standard. And so I retweeted that with a pretty benign tweet, I thought, on my part, where I just said, hey, does anybody remember the cognitive test that I gave at real Donald Trump, the one that he ate? Looks like somebody else needs a test. Scary. That was the extent of it. It wasn't, it wasn't that big a deal. But within 30 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes, I, you know, my phone's like, ding, and I get this email from President Obama 
just completely reading me the right act, you know, just scolding me uh, pretty, pretty harshly. He started off talking about how he, you know, thought of me as a friend and I, it was a great position, yada, yada. And then he basically, he, he just broke down to this is, I can't believe the cheap shot you took at Joe Biden. This is beneath you as a, as a Navy admiral. This is beneath you as a position to the president. Uh, this is a direct assault on me and my family and the people that, you know, that you served in, the, in, in my White House. And I hope that you use better judgment in the future. And I'm just really disappointed in you. Uh, it, it was pretty, it was pretty interesting. Wow. Please tell me you have that frame hanging over like your fireplace or something. I would <laughs> I I'd wear that as a badge of honor. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I do. And I, I, I put it in the book as well. So everyone else can see it as well. But, you know, I didn't know what to do with it, to be honest with you. I, I, I kind of I tell people it, it kind of had a weird effect on me. It was kind of a combination between being a little bit upset and angry about receiving it and also having my feelings hurt just a little bit, you know, but I had a pretty close personal relationship with all three of the presidents that I served with Bush, Obama and Trump. And uh, it just, it, it kind of hurt my feelings a little bit, but uh, I thought about it and I was going to, I was going to reply and then I decided I was going to pick the phone up and call him, but I was late for a fundraiser, went to the fundraiser, came out of the fundraiser and I was going to make the phone call. And I thought to myself, before I make this phone call, so I don't say something I regret, I'm going to call somebody who I think might understand kind of the position I'm in. So I called Dan Bongino because Dan and I have been good friends with Dan was at the Secret Service and during the Obama administration. And I knew he would kind of understand the weird situation that I was in. I called him and he said, Ronnie, he said, you don't owe this man a damn thing. You don't owe him anything. He goes, did he lift a single finger to help you when you were getting butchered by the left and by John Tester and all these people with this made-up garbage during your nomination for the VA secretary? One phone call from him, and he knew it was all garbage. He knew it was, that it was all false. He could have picked the phone up, made one phone call, and put all that to bed, but he didn't bother to help you. You don't owe him anything. And I thought about it and I said, you know what? He's absolutely right. I don't know this guy anything. And I just let it go. I didn't, re I didn't reply to the email and I haven't said a word about it until it came out in my book. Uh, it was leaked out of my book, which is coming out uh, a week from today. Uh, and the name of your book again? It's called Holding, Holding the Line. All right. And uh, I'd love to have you back after, you know, give me a chance to read it and, and uh, have you back. Because I'm, I'm fascinated the, you know, somebody who has been with three different presidents and worked in the White House, um, and you used to see, you were the first person, was this with all presidents or just Donald Trump? I was with Trump and first Obama, you know, during the morning. Bush. Yeah, yeah, that was, with, uh, that was with Trump and Obama. During the Bush administration, I was around President Bush a lot. I traveled with him. I went to the ranch with him a lot. Things, I got to know him very well. He was from Texas, and so I was kind of, uh, you know, part of that West Texas crowd in, in the White House. But, you know, I was the junior position during the Bush administration. During the Obama administration and the Trump administration, I was the appointed position to the president, which means that my office was on the ground floor of the White House directly below the president's bedroom. So every morning when the president, whether it was Obama or Trump, came down, I was a, a lot of times the first person they would see in the morning, the last person they would see in the evening. And in particular with President Trump, I would meet him down there in the morning because I didn't really know him very well when he first came on board. I was trying to get to know him a little bit. So that first week, I'd, you know, I'd hear the Secret Service call out. He was on the, on the radio because I have an earpiece in listening to them all the time. I'd hear him call out that he's coming down the elevator. I'd go to the door, stand there, and when he'd come down, I'd say, good morning, Mr. President. And, you know, uh, he, he's up for about three hours before anybody else even shows up at the White House, you know, watching TV and tweeting and talking on the phone. And believe me, by the time he drops down that elevator, he's looking for somebody to talk to. And so he'd see me standing there and he'd be like, Doc, did you see this? Did you see that? And, you know, it'd be 
nothing to do with medical. It, it could be whatever. It could, you know, it could have been, you know, Iran. It could have been Stormy Daniels. It's just whatever, you know. And uh, so I'd say, yes, sir. And we'd start a conversation. He'd go walk with me. So I'd walk him to work. I'd walk him down the West Colonnade, down the Oval Colonnade, right into the back of the Oval Office. And, you know, the National Security Advisor, the CIA briefer, the chief of staff, we were ever to be in the outer Oval waiting to come in. And when I'd finish up, I'd walk out. They'd walk in as they would start. But I got to, I developed a really close personal relationship uh, with, with Trump because of that interaction that I had with him on a regular basis. Um, we're talking to Congressman Ronnie Jackson. He's from uh, Texas. He was the uh, White House physician for three presidents, Bush, uh, Obama, and President Trump, and has a new book out called Holding the Line, where you can read the letter that President Obama uh, sent to Ronnie saying, you know, how dare you say this about uh, Joe Biden? But it con- it is concerning, I think, not just to Republicans. I think it concerns all Americans Um, Any American that is honest can see that there are times that this president has uh, completely checked out Um, and the only real solution is the 25th Amendment. But that has to be done by the vice president. And I think it's two thirds. Did you say two thirds of the cabinet? I believe the 25th Amendment says a majority of the cabinet and the vice president. Okay, good. All right. Uh, Ronnie, thank you so much. We'll talk again. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Glenn. I appreciate it. Let me tell you now about my Patriot Supply. <clears throat> uh, I'm sorry, not my Patriot Supply. Um, our sponsor is uh, LifeLock. There is a lot of stuff uh, that is going on. And uh, as you will see in the next few days, if the president declares a national climate emergency, um, their life is going to change quickly. Um, and, uh, with what is happening overseas with Russia, uh, I got news this morning and I haven't been able to verify it yet. Um, but there was speculation that, uh, Russia is going to cut Germany off of, of oil and gas. Um, if that happens next week, we're in a completely different scenario in a completely different world. And the one thing that's nice about Russia is they love hackers. Uh, they love cybercrime, especially on Americans. And there are people that work day and night just to get your information so they can take out loans in your name, destroy your information, hold it hostage, whatever. This is why people have LifeLock. It's why I have LifeLock. Uh, they can't catch everything. No one can, but they can monitor things much better than you can on your own. And I think they're the best in the business. And the reason why is not only do they watch everything they can possibly watch, but they recognize that they're not going to catch everything. And if there's something that they miss, they have a team of specialists that work to restore your credit, work to restore your name. Um, and grab onto it as soon as possible. Um, and I don't think anybody else does that. It's LifeLock. I want you to call LifeLock now. Join, save 25% off your first year with the promo code BECK. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK, 1-800-LIFELOCK or LifeLock.com, promo code BECK. The Glenn Beck Program. Miss a day, miss a lot. Visit blazetv.com today and never miss a moment of truth.
Welcome back to the program. Uh, Pat Gray and I were just talking uh, off air about this, uh, what the Washington Post says is coming as early as this week. A, an executive order declaring a climate emergency. Um, that, I don't know if you understand what that means. Do you remember the left freaked out because during COVID, um, President Trump said uh, there's a whole lot of power that the president has that uh, nobody really understands or knows about. And they freaked out because they know what that, they knew that power. Those mm-hmm. in Congress knew that power, that you have the power to pretty much do anything if you declare a national emergency. The president can suspend. He can do whatever he wants. He could, he, he wouldn't take over the oil industry, but he sure the hell will tell them exactly what to do. And they'll have to live with the ramifications, as will we. All of the climate justice stuff, stuff will be in and enforced. Why? Because the tarmacs are melting. How does a tarmac melt? What are you even talking about? Back in just a minute. Hey, I want to tell you about Eden Pure. Eden Pure is something that we just put into our house. Um, you know, when you cook, especially fish, one reason I don't like fish, your house will smell like fish forever. Your house stink. The kitchen can stink up your house in good ways if it's cookies, in bad ways if it's fish. Um, we put the thunderstorm in from Eden Pure. It's an air purifier, uh, and it is amazing. I, I mean, I can't remember what it was, but it wasn't fish. It was something else. It was like, uh, and uh, we got it out of the oven, and I had it in the Eden Pure had come, and it was in the box. And I remembered, and I was like, oh, we just got something. Hang on, I plugged it in. I mean, in an hour, the house smelled clean and fresh. It doesn't cover stuff up. It doesn't mask it with fake smells. It actually cleans the air and gets rid of the odor. And you can save $200 on an Eden Pure Thunderstorm 3-pack for the whole home protection. Three units for under $200 Put them in your house, EdenPureDeals.com, EdenPureDeals.com. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Holy cow, the press and the left are on to us. They have finally found where the constitutional radicalism is coming from. From Christian pulpits. They are very, very worried that 
our churches have been taken over by radicals that are saying that a country was was founded on God and this freedom and liberty is found in the Bible and oh my gosh and don't as a churchgoer myself I can't tell you how many times I hear this Christian nationalist theme coming from the pulpit that's the problem the problem is exactly the opposite of what the media says is going on we are going to start with Christian nationalism the latest attack on the right in 60 seconds So let me tell you about our sponsor. It is the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. What begins with hundreds of people in 2002 is now one of the top 5K events in America today with 30,000 people taking part each year on the last Sunday in September. It is the Tunnel to Towers Foundation 5K run and walk a New York City event. The signature event has inspired about 80 other runs, walks, and climbs all across the nation, like the annual 5K run and walk event in Hendersonville, Tennessee. That community means a lot to the foundation. Hendersonville Police Master Patrol Officer Spencer Bristol joined the department after serving in the Navy, and uh, after his tragic death in the line of duty, Tunnel to Towers paid off the mortgage for his family's home. The proceeds from events, as well as dozens of golf outings and barbecues across the country, support the Foundation's programs. This is a charity that I believe in, and I believe you should check it out. Do your own homework. Register for an event in your area, volunteer to start one, and join Tunnel to Towers on their mission to do good and never forget. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. All right, let me, uh, let's, uh, well, I want to start with something that uh, just came out of the uh, Tribune in Utah. I was in Utah for the 4th of July down in this beautiful, beautiful place. Fastest growing city in America now is uh, St. George. And uh, I'll tell you, there's a battle for the soul of St. George. It's a very, I think it is, you would know this better than I do, Pat. Isn't it the the uh most conservative community in the country uh it's probably up there i don't i, I don't know if it competes with yeah. provo but it's it, it, it's up there yeah <laughs> but it's up there i mean mm-hmm. provo is like uh, <laughs> um so anyway it's very 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 red mm-hmm. uh and uh and it's always been that way but people are moving from california and i think they're going to destroy it uh because it has the bones of of just just one of the greatest cities in America, you know, a uh, 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 an Aspen or a or Jackson Hole, kind of that vacation kind of place, um, and it's just beautiful there, just beautiful, surrounded by national parks. Anyway, I went down um, because I had been working with uh, a group called United We Pledge um, that to build. Um, Independence Hall, just like the one in Philadelphia, and uh, Washington's Mount Vernon, uh, and also Patrick Henry's church, where he said, give me liberty or give me death. And they, they want to produce a curriculum and tell the truth through artifacts and everything else of America's founding. 
And this is based on something that is in Alabama that was built years ago that I don't think anybody knows. It's Liberty Village. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe, you know, if you live in Alabama, but it is this this colonial village that is trying to keep America's history alive. So when uh, these uh, people from Balance of Nature uh, found this, uh, the son calls the dad and is like, Dad, Liberty Village, we, you have to see this. We have to build one. We should build them all over the country. Uh, they're very, very patriotic people. And, uh, uh, and so they just broke ground on July 4th for this event. So here's what the Tribune writes about this. A replica colonial era village under construction in Washington County is aimed at stoking the fires of patriotism, increasing devotion to the U.S. Constitution and enshrining religion as the central focus of the American Revolution. No, no, uh, religion just was. I shouldn't say religion. God was a major focus. Being, being on God's side is the reason why the, the Purple Heart exists. Um, they were all pretty much God people. That doesn't mean they went to the same churches or anything else, but they all pretty much believed in the same thing, and that is a Judeo-Christian God. So, they continue. Some, however, are concerned that United We Pledge, the St. George-based nonprofit leading the effort to build Liberty Village in nearby Hurricane, leans too far right and takes too much liberty with American history. Dignitaries from Hurricane and United We Pledge joined conservative media personality Glenn Beck and others on July 2nd to break ground for the village, which will be situated on about 40 acres adjacent from the proposed New Balance Nature Campus. Nutritional Supplement Company in St. George Balance Nature is the chief sponsor of United We Pledge. The groundbreaking served as an official start of the effort to raise uh, roughly $50 million needed to build the site, which is being modeled after the American village uh, replica colonial village in Alabama. When it opens, scheduled for sometime around America's 250th birthday on July 4th, 2026, Liberty Village plans to feature replicas of historic buildings. Um, uh, Dennis Levitt, the president of United We Pledge, who is one of the best men I think I've ever met. I mean, there's a handful of men that I have met that are true, true servants of, of a higher power um, and men of absolute integrity. Um, th- this guy is amazing. I Someday we'll, I'll introduce you to him, but... Dennis Levitt, president of the United We Pledge, says the village will be an interactive experience that will enable visitors to learn about colonial crafts and to discuss King George III's taxation without representation and other issues with costume actors or interpreters portraying uh, America's founding fathers. In a time when many people feel patriotism is in decline and fewer Americans, especially youth, identify with a religion or attend church, Levitt says Liberty Village and United We Pledge a Company curriculum will bolster, will bolster citizens' knowledge about America, the Constitution, and the role of God in, nature, in the nation's creation. He envisions the village bringing people together and instilling greater reverence for core constitutional values such as faith, family, and freedom. But others don't share his vision. It goes on and on and on 
um, and uh, then talks to three historians that absolutely have distorted history or they have done such little homework on what Liberty Village is and what things are that, like, I believe in. Um, I don't believe in a national religion by any stretch of the imagination. I do believe, whether you believe in God or not, belief in a higher power that you, are, you have to answer to is a healthy thing. And one of the reasons why we're having the problems that we have is because we lack God. We lack any set of principles that we all used to find self-evident. Um, so they're immediately attacking this because it's the colonial period, slave owners, you know, God. Oh, my gosh, this is going to be so ugly. Most of Americans have never even heard of this project, but they felt it was necessary to tear it down after the first shovel hit the ground. That's fine. It's not going to stop. Now, let me give you the next story. This one comes from Vice, and it's related. Pastor Ron Tucker took to the stage one weekend in early July at Grace Church in the St. Louis suburb of Maryland Heights to deliver a sermon on Romans. In the first 15 minutes, Tucker railed against Antifa, Black Lives Matter, critical race theory, feminism, gun laws, abortion, protesters disrupting Supreme Court Brett Kavanaugh's dinner at D.C. Steakhouse and promoted the baseless claim that the Capitol riot was a hoax. Wow. In 15 minutes, he did all of that. Their woke ideology is separating people, he said, into groups and taking our nation apart. What part of that is incorrect? We're being taught, it's being taught in our schools under the heading of critical race theory, Tucker said. The way to get promoted in a woke business is based on your degree of victimhood. Absolutely true. If you're a black lesbian, then you're at the top of the heap. No, actually, I think that would go for a handicapped black lesbian. Um, uh, anyway, he goes on. Uh, I mean, would you trust somebody to fly your plane just because they're part of a minority? Another great point. Tucker founded Grace Church, a non-denominational congregation in 1978. These days, however, it's not unusual for him to use his time in the pulpit to unleash a torrent of right wing grievances and stoke fears of an imminent Marxist takeover. Yeah, I think it's pretty imminent. Um, but according to some, his congregants, it is a stark departure from his old preaching style. It's honestly weird because it never used to be like that, said Emily Lynch, 33, who joined Grace Church when she was five years old. I can remember the sermons growing up. They never spoke about politics. It was a quote unquote feel good church. Oh. So it was doing its job then as a church, making everybody feel good. Noelle Fortman, 23, and her mother had a similar early experience with Grace Church, which they joined in 2010. It was just such a pleasant community. It was welcoming and diverse, you know, and the sermons were just uplifting and, you know, biblical, end quote. Now, instead of talking about compassion and loving your neighbor, Tucker is preparing his 1,500-strong flock for a bloody final battle 
where the bullets are real. Wow. He said, quote, this is not cruise ship Christianity right now. We're a battle group. Oh, boy. Not a not a cruise ship Christian Christianity. Well, that's the one I want. I want one where I can just sit on the deck and just look out over the ocean, think that everything is great. It's hard to pinpoint exactly when Tucker's radicalization began, but Fortman said she first started noticing politics creeping into his sermons about the time, fill in the blank, Pat, about what time did he start to become radicalized? Who's really responsible for this? Could it have been during the Trump presidency? I I mean, (laughs) that would surprise me. Yes, Donald Uh, Trump. Shocked. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. Initially, she said it was easy to shrug it off. Tucker was a trusted pastor who had been a consistent voice in her life for years. Plus, she and her mom weren't that involved in the church community itself. They came for the Bible stories and the concert quality music performances. <laughs> oh, well, she's great. A- He'd start his <laughs> he started his sermons with this rambling 30 to 40 minute rant that sounded like it was taken straight from like Fox News. One time we went there and he referred to COVID vaccine as the mark of the beast. Could be that we needed to fight against, that we needed to fight against. And I was like, yo, this is crazy. End quote. Another time. She saw a black family get up and leave halfway through one of Tucker's rants about oh, no. critical race theory. No. And she began noticing a lot of churchgoers mm. doing the same. Mm. At the same time, she began seeing new faces, older faces, and whiter than before. <gasps> Fortman and her mother both left the church that year. Yeah. yeah. I see and they even people. got up and left. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> and they're alive. In your dreams? In one recent sermon. No. In my church. In one recent sermon, Tucker acknowledged that he may have offended some members of the congregation. I've read your emails. I've watched people walk out of churches. I've gone into this stuff. But we're at a critical moment, he said. And uh, he's... Uh, And he said, and he's concerned about the church being taken over by a government agency called the Ministry of Truth. Yeah, that that'll Mm. never happen. That would never happen. Right. We'd never. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, She then uh, the story goes on to say this story is not unique to Grace Church. Politics and culture wars have crept into pulpits and pews across the U.S. in recent years. I know in the black churches, they've never done anything like this. It's not just the evangelical church whose ties to the GOP have been a target of heavy scrutiny for decades. It's churches and parishes across denominations, state lines, and socioeconomic status. Christians from around the country who spoke to Vice News said they've witnessed their congregations lose focus and slide into Christian nationalism. And here's my favorite part of the story, the laugh paragraph. If you have information or tips about churches or pastors who have become radicalized by Christian nationalism, we need to hear from you. Contact Tess Owen. Wow. That is fantastic (laughs) from Vice. Now, let me set the record straight in one minute. Stand by. 
American Financing, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. All right. If you think the banks are really hard to deal with now, let me assure you that it's only going to get worse. It is critical that you work with the right people, people who are on your side. And when it comes to home financing and refinancing, the perfect people for the job are the salary-based mortgage consultants over at American Financing. You should be doing everything you can right now to lower your expenses and to save money, and they can help you. Now might also be the, the best time for you to take advantage of your home's equity to start paying off those high interest debts. Yeah, you don't want to take out another loan. I got it. But you're paying 20 and it'll go up to 25 easy percent every single month. You are paying that interest on that credit card. It would be much better instead of 20 or 25 to pay 5% interest because you can then attack the, the principal and get that monkey off of your back. <gasps> he said monkey. Over 20 years now, American financing has been at the forefront, saving people money from one month to the next. They're America's home for home loans. Please give American financing a call today. Find out how much money they could be saving you. Do your homework and do the right thing for your family. This may be the exact thing you've been looking for to help you uh, keep your head above water. American Financing, 800-906-2440, 800-906-2440, or AmericanFinancing.net. 10 seconds, station ID. Okay, so uh, let's see here. Um, we got a couple of things going on. Uh, we have food shortages coming. Um we have economic turmoil beyond belief. If Russia does not turn the spigot back on um, for the oil and gas to Germany and, and, and Europe, we are going to have a war. Um, I think the war is, I, I just think it's, it's in the cards. And I don't trust any progressive to uh, tell us you know, the truth about war. I, I, I learned my lesson from Woodrow Wilson. Uh, he said, reelect me and we will not go to war. Yeah, a couple of months after he was reelected, America went into war in World War I. But he had no choice. He had no choice. Uh-huh. So we are going to be facing things that we have not faced before to this degree as well as our fundamental belief system of who we are, where we came from, and that we're a good nation, and that we're good people, all of that has been lost, and we've lost it in the churches. And I don't really care if you go to church. I really don't. Um, I care that you have some higher power. And, you know, that higher power can be whatever— in Pendulette's case, it's his mom and dad, and he really lives, uh, tries to live up to their expectations of being a good human being. That's fine. Something that stretches you and and helps you become rooted in truth and a better person. Our churches have failed us because Christian nationalism is not being taught in churches all over the country. Nothing unfortunately is being taught 
uh, in many of our churches right now. We have to decide who is in charge of our lives. Is it the government? Is it God? Is it you? But that has to be answered now by every American. The Glenn Beck Program. Rough Greens. I don't know about you, but I hate having to stand still in one place for a very long time. Uh, I have my family. They torture me because we, we'll go out to dinner. And uh, as soon as we're done, I'm, I'm ready to go. I just, I'm, I, I, it drives me nuts to sit there and just sit there and just sit there and sit there and sit there. I mean, I don't mind. Let's go into the living room. Let's all talk. But can we not sit at the table? I don't know why it bothers me so much, but I hate it. What's worse is when I have to sit there at my dog's table and wait until he's finished. I mean, I just this morning fed him before we came out to do the, the show. I feed him, and uh, he he looks at me as I'm walking towards the door. He looks at me like, wait, I'm not done eating yet. I, uh, I Why are you leaving my side? He used to be horrible, horrible on that. He's not anymore. Rough Greens. Roughgreens.com. Roughgreens.com. A great supplement for your dog. You just sprinkle it on. Get a free bag right now. The first trial bag is free. You just pay for shipping. Roughgreens.com slash back. See the good difference in your dog. Don't forget to use the promo code Glenn for $10 off your subscription at blazetv.com. On direct orders from President Joe Biden, the Department of Homeland Security has released 79,652 migrants into the United States last month after they were detained for illegally crossing the southern border. This brings the total number of illegals that have been caught and released into the United States on Biden's watch to 1.335 million people. At this pace, the ones that we catch and release, not the ones that we didn't catch, the ones that we caught and released, he will put in 3.5 million illegal immigrants into the United States in his first term. That is a population larger than that of Chicago. Mm. Okay. All right. Now, we also, we also have this coming. Food insecurity. Food security crisis is on the horizon, and experts now are saying that it could kill more people than COVID did worldwide. Um, it, I, I hope we're not going to feel it too horribly here, but if we have open borders, we will, because they will come in droves, because they will not have food um, in South America. And we should do everything we can. I mean, if again, if I were president today, I would make it very, very clear. I'm cutting the red tape on all energy. I'm cutting all the red tape on farming. And, you know, we'll come back to normal. But right now, we need people to farm and to drill and get energy out of the ground. Do you know what we could do for the rest of the world in good not by not being involved in war and everything else, just by saying, farmers, here's the mission. Our moonshot 
is to feed the world in the next 12 to 18 months. So gear up. What do you need? Uh, We have a moonshot. We need to get oil to the rest of the world because Russia is going to cut off the oil and the gas. They're talking now already about rationing uh, gasoline and fuel in, in Germany. This is going to cripple Europe, and we will go into war if this actually happens. And are we stable? We could be so stable right now financially if we were doing the right things to help people in the world. Meanwhile, we're just pissing everybody off, and China's holdings of U.S. debt have fallen below $1 trillion. That's the first time in 12 years. They're liquidating all of our bonds. They are not holding our debt. That leaves Japan, which is on the verge of oblivion. That leaves Japan as the largest holder now of our U.S. treasuries. Soon it will just be the Fed. FBI and DHS also have confirmed. And again, are we getting stronger or weaker? FBI and Department of Homeland Security are purchasing and using Chinese-made drones from a company with close links to the Chinese government. So you know, everything is linked to the Chinese government. You own a business, you have a party member there that is making sure that everything you do helps China. Um, we, we have been warning um, that we cannot use Chinese technology because Chinese technology is gathering information and especially from the DHS and the FBI. Why would you want to use drones that would send information to China? This is craziness. The only reason you do that is because you're making money uh, or you're beholden to the Chinese government. Also, shut down D.C., another Marxist group. Shut down D.C. just announced that they are going to disrupt the congressional baseball game. That's smart. That's smart. I can't imagine anything going wrong there, getting a bunch of liberals to, to uh, show up at the baseball diamond. Oh, my gosh, I just realized that's a really mm. bad idea. Didn't they try to kill all of the members, the Republican members of Congress at that same baseball diamond? Oh, yeah, but that oh, was so long I ago. I forgot. We should so. remind them. Who even remembers it? Nobody. Yeah. And they deserved it anyway. Um, uh, meanwhile, on the, uh, on the crisis list, BlackRock, its profits have fallen 22%. Uh, BlackRock is... Uh, is not making the money that uh, they were hoping that they would make on this new Green Deal. And speaking of the Green Deal, uh, Congress, uh, or I'm sorry, Biden, according to the Washington Post today, could declare a climate emergency as soon as this week. The potential move comes days after Joe Manchin told Democratic leaders he does not support his party's efforts to advance a sprawling economic package this month that includes billions of dollars to address global warming. If emergency is invoked, 
It could empower the Biden administration in its efforts to reduce carbon emissions and to foster a cleaner energy. Uh, two of the individuals with knowledge of the discussions say that they also expect the president to announce a slew of additional actions aimed at curbing planet warming emissions. Uh, the exact scope and timing of any announcement remain in flux. The president made it clear if the Senate doesn't act to tackle the climate crisis and strengthen our domestic clean energy industry, he will. So that's uh, that's really good. Um <laughs> Jared Bernstein, top White House economic advisor, emphasized to reporters at a news briefing earlier in the day that Biden would work aggressively to fight to attack climate change. So we got that going for us. We now have the last piece that is needed to take over a country. You just need an emergency that could happen as soon as this week. Meanwhile, House Democrats are pushing a bill to add four seats to the Supreme Court. Mm. Unbelievable. Now that, uh, would by be the catastrophic. way, um, there, catastrophic, it's over. Mm -hmm. You couple the Supreme Court with what would have to be also a filibuster reform, um, but you yeah. pack the court, you uh, get rid of the filibuster, and you declare in a national emergency, you do not return from that. You don't. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's accurate. It's frightening, but it's definitely accurate. And this would accomplish his goal of finishing the fundamental transformation of America that Obama started. And, and that's what he plans to do, I think. Imagine, imagine... America being lost. I mean, I, I think we're going to really see the world will feel uh, America's loss. I think in the next mm -hmm. 24 uh, months, I think uh, when we start to go into global food crisis, mm -hmm. there's not going to be bags of wheat from the United States that are coming in. There's not going to be all that food that we've shipped that usually rots uh, on the, uh, on the tarmac because you know, it's all corrupt. And I think we're going to see the rest of the world feel the absence of the United States in our charitable giving. It's, it's uh, terrifying. Terrifying. Well, by far, by far, for as long as I think any kind of records have been kept, the United States of America, American citizens have been the most generous on the face of the, face of the planet. Uh, to the tune of, you know, we, we think that our government gives a lot in foreign aid. Uh, private individuals and corporations give over $300 billion a year to the, rest of the, uh, to the rest of the planet. So, I mean, that's something that, you know, if we have a catastrophe, then th those people in poverty, in abject poverty, they're going to be left to fend for themselves. It's going to be a disaster if it happens. I, I think this is going to be remembered as Mao's five-year plan when he starved millions of people to death mm -hmm. because he knew a better way to farm. And he didn't. He knew nothing about farming. 
Um, but he claimed that, you know, he was inspired and uh, he could he could fix farming for China. And uh, the first year, I don't remember what it was, like two million people died. And uh, he said, just keep going. Uh, then the next year, like 10 million people died. In the end, I think it was 30 million that died in his five-year plan. And he didn't care. He just didn't care because it's good for everybody else. This is so Malthusian. Um, uh, the Malthusians believe that um, that we got to get rid of humans. <laughs> There's just too many humans. Um, and any way to liquidate humans is good. Now, think of that mm. when you talk about climate change. How many people do you hear or when they talk about the planet, talk about how it's too crowded, we have too many people, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I, I don't think we need to bring any more people into the world. Um, look at the Malthusian kind of attitude of the complete live system that once you're over really 50, but definitely 60, you get very little medical care because there's no purpose for you to live anymore. You're not serving society. It, it's, it's, uh, it's a frightening thing when you look at the same kind of progressive thought that brought you Planned Parenthood and the murder of millions of babies uh, the same group of people, the American progressives that taught Germans about eugenics and, uh, and all of the nasty stuff of race purity. A lot of that came from us and our progressive movement here in the United States. Mm -hmm. That kind of stuff is still going on in, in just different ways, but it's still going on. You wipe out a whole bunch of people using uh, starvation because of a war. We couldn't do anything about it when it's absolutely a lie. When we're just going to have to take it, you know, take those blows to the face uh, because we got to get off of, of green energy. If people are suffering or die, they don't care. It actually helps their plan. Well, you remember what uh, Bernard Shaw said. In the what is this, the 30s? You must all know half a dozen people at least who are no use in this world, mm -hmm. who are more trouble than they are worth. Just put them there and say, sir or madam, now will you be kind enough to justify your existence? If you can't justify your existence, if you're not pulling your weight in the social group, then clearly we cannot use the big organization of our society yeah. for the purpose of keeping you alive, because your life does not benefit us, and it can't be very much use to yourself. George Bernard Shaw. That's just staggering. One of the most favorite, fa famous playwrights in, in world history. And that's how he felt about people. Eh, whatever. If you can't produce as many potatoes as you consume, well, we're just going to have to kill you. I mean, not in a mean way. Well, I, you know, we'll make sure that your death is fairly painless. But you do, you have to be killed. Well, he was the yeah, and he was the guy who said there's got to be a way to uh, have some sort of a gas or gas chamber where you could kill people quickly mm -hmm. uh, and efficiently. I mean, it's George frickin' Bernard Shaw that was the first to express gas chambers 
for the liquidation of people. Incredible. I mean, Jeez. wake up. We are headed in the same kind of direction with the same crazy, dangerous people. All right, Patriot Mobile is our sponsor. I want you to consider switching your phone service to a Patriot Mobile today, right now. Do it right now. Um, it's quite a plunge, leaving behind the big mobile companies that give you mediocrity in their service. Uh, you know, uh, they give you all kinds of premium pricing, which is great. Some things on your bill, you're like, well, I don't even know what that is. And I'm sure it's, it's horrible to walk away from, say, Verizon, which gives money to leftist causes like Planned Parenthood. Just awful. And then you're going to have to deal with a U.S.-based customer service base instead of somebody over in India. How do you do it? I know it's a sacrifice. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget. 100% U.S.-based customer support team, personal service. They share your values. They support the organizations fighting for religious freedom, constitutional rights, sanctity of life, and our veterans and first responders. Make the switch today. To PatriotMobile.com slash Beck. PatriotMobile.com slash Beck or call 972-PATRIOT. 972-PATRIOT or PatriotMobile.com slash Beck. The Glenn Beck Program. Oh, yeah. Hey, coming up in next hour, Tommy Robinson. I don't know if you remember him. He's an independent journalist. He was imprisoned in uh, Great Britain, in the U- UK, for reporting on sexual abuse and the cover-up by the police there because they didn't want any problems with the Muslim community. Well, he went to prison for saying those things. Um, and uh, guess what happened this week? Uh, they've just come out and did a... F- uh, final investigation on it and i get it looks like the police were covering up for you know rapes by muslim men so how does he feel now that he went to prison for that and he was absolutely right mm. uh, freedom of speech is not like it is here in america elsewhere in the world they don't have a first amendment um and uh, i i fear with national emergencies Uh, That's the kind of thing that goes right out the window. You're causing problems. You're you're slowing down the good work the country needs to do. You know, you can't talk about these conspiracies like the Great Reset. But but it's on their own website. Well, they could say that, but you can't say that. This is the Glenn Beck Program. You know, there's an... Old phrase has been passed down from generation to generation. Is it hot enough for you? <laughs> uh, if you're like me and you live in a place uh, where the summer heat is really intense, the answer is probably yes. It's obnoxious and it's yes. Which is why you need to be wearing underwear that keeps you cool where it counts. And for that, you need Tommy John. When you wear Tommy John, you're so much cooler. And that just makes everything better when you're comfortable, when you're nice and cool. Uh, things just go better. Tommy John underwear is lightweight. It's breathable. Four times the stretch of competing brands. Dozens of comfort innovations. Tommy John keeps you looking and feeling cool all season long. Whether you're lounging at home uh, or enjoying some summertime fun outside. But don't 
forget about the loungewear. It is the most comfortable loungewear you'll ever have. It's what I look forward to putting on every single day. ShopTommyJohn.com slash back right now for 20% off your first order. Get 20% off right now at TommyJohn.com slash back. See the site for details. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. If you are really intent on destroying a nation, you have to destroy its history. You have to destroy its um, its traditions, its bonds to one another. And you need to... Um, you need to... You need to have the barbarians at the gates. You need to. This is the last step before Rome fell. They just opened up the gates and they were overrun and they lost the Roman culture. Well, isn't that what's happening right now? And is there any effective pushback? We go there on our American border in 60 seconds. Our sponsor is uh, Preborn. Um, I, I want to talk to you seriously about those clinics that the government is targeting now. The government is targeting uh, these uh, clinics for women um, that are are giving real health care advice. Um, you know, it's it's not a slaughterhouse. Um, these are the these are the clinics that are coming under attack by this administration and by the left. Uh, this is these are the clinics that uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren wants to see shut down. That the New York governor is coming um, against. The reason why they're doing it is because you will comply. You will comply. You do it their way, or you don't do it at all. And they are lying about these health care clinics, um, saying that they're, they're lying to people and duping people by showing them what? An ultrasound? How is that duping you? You're being, you're being red-pilled. That's, that's what's happening here. You've been duped into thinking that that's not a child in you. And when you see the ultrasound, you're like, oh, that is a child. Yeah. Okay, uh, I'm going to keep it. It's, it's the exact opposite, as always is with these people. It's the exact opposite of what they say is happening. These clinics, um, many of them are pre-born clinics. And uh, they have built their clinics in the top abortion cities, where 50% of the abortions take place. And... They have been saving babies' lives, and 
uh, I think, mom's sanity all over the country for a while. And they are really, really effective because what they do is they provide the ultrasound. Um, and you have an 80% chance of saving the child if mom hears the heartbeat and sees her child inside of her. 80% chance of changing mom's mind. I want you to uh, consider making them a, a charitable uh, donation um, and perhaps a recurring one, especially now. They are having to beef up their security. They're all under attack. Um, and if you're going to take away abortions, well, uh, we're going to take away your ease of life. And they're, they're Brett Kavanaughing these people. And these people, they're just they're nurses. They're doctors. They don't have, you know, access to secret service. Please, these are people right on the front lines in some of the most dangerous cities in America. Uh, if you could consider a gift of any size, $10, 10000 you know, uh, $10 million, whatever it is, every penny will help. Uh, you can save so many lives. I think it's 28 bucks for an ultrasound. Uh, 15,000 for a machine and they are going to be there on the front lines in these cities where abortion is going to go off the charts and they're going to come under attack. They need your support now more than ever. Donate dial pound two, five, zero, say the keyword baby it's pound two fifty. keyword baby preborn.com slash Beck. That's preborn.com slash Beck. You know, it really makes me sick that USAID, when we send aid over, we demand that they start with birth control and start providing abortions. Did you know that? Our funding, in our name, they take our money. Federal government doesn't make money. It takes money. And they take our money and they say, we're going to help out Ukraine. Oh, yeah, we're going to help out. We love to help them out. And what strings come attached? Well, I tell you, with Ukraine, now in the middle of a war, their, uh, their parliament decided to get together because they, they, re they really want to make sure that gay marriage <laughs> is, uh, is legal. That's your priority during a war? Where people are dying in the streets, mm. you're taking that on? Gee, I wonder why, Pat. Why do you think that might be? Huh. I'm sure it's not because the United States said, uh, this is a condition uh, upon which we give you the aid. I am sure that didn't happen because um, no, 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 no. we never controlled uh, another sovereign nation like yeah. that. Of course not. Of no. course not. Of course not. And it's, it's all, it's all <laughs> about compassion. Let me ask you, when you have... When you have 60% of the girls that come, girls and women that come across our border because of the drug cartels uh, or with uh, human smugglers, we're enriching those cartels and smugglers. And 60% of the women and the girls that come across the border are raped mm. by those same people. Mm -hmm. Where is your compassion? Where is your compassion? Yeah, and they not only, keep saying that, you know, they go ahead. Not only are they getting raped, uh, but since Biden took office, 700 illegals trying to cross the border have died. 
you know, they t- they make a big deal out of, and, and it is, they make a big deal out of the 50 who died all at one time in the back of that trailer uh, a few months ago. But that's just a drop in the bucket compared to what happens all the time on the border. People crossing the border in the summertime and dehydrating and dying in the desert. People dying in the backs of these uh, trucks, in the trunks of cars. Uh, it happens all the time. Correct. And 700 of them just in the last year and a half since Biden took office. It's unconscionable. That is, And they don't care. So the only reason you would be doing this, it has nothing to do with compassion because you just wouldn't treat people like this. Mm-hmm. You know, compassion is uh, is not chaos, um, and all they're all they're offering is chaos. And who's coming over? I want people that want to be Americans. I do. Yeah, but I don't want any terrorists. We've lost forty forty people that are on the terrorist watch list that we know of that have crossed our southern border since uh, Joe Biden has been into office. You know, George Washington said this. He said, The bosom of America is open to receive not only the opulent and respectable stranger, but the oppressed and persecuted of all nations and religions, whom we shall welcome, okay, there's more to this, to a participation in all our rights and privileges if by decency and propriety of conduct they appear to merit that enjoyment hmm. we don't care we i mean the media and the police appear to be covering up the rape of that 10 year old that joe biden said she had to go to another state can you imagine being that little girl no i can't so why was the rapist allowed to stay at home with that girl after it had been reported to the police. Echoing the statement, Thomas Jefferson said, born in other countries, yet believing you could be happy in this, our laws acknowledge, as they should do, your right to join us in society, conforming, as I doubt not you will do, to our established rules. No. So there are founders saying, we want you in. It's exactly the same thing that conservatives say. We want you to come here. We want you to be, you will renew us. We need new blood. We, we welcome you here. If you will do it with our established rules. Many years later, Ronald Reagan said, anyone from any corner of the world can come and live in the United States and become an American. That's the standard. We welcome the tired, the poor, the huddled masses. If they will conform to our established rules, if they are decent, we open our arms to anyone who truly wants to become an American. For generations, our ancestors have immigrated here, chasing after what only America promised, and that is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, a chance to succeed. This is why immigrants have left their homes, their histories, their families. This is why so many risk everything. They risk their lives to get here. And then when they arrive, they became steadfast Americans. At least they used to. In return for their risk and their efforts, 
We promised them, America, a nation with such a finely crafted balance of power that you were protected from most of the threats to your liberty, at least from government and most of the time from your fellow man. In America, we guaranteed everyone's inalienable rights in exchange for a commitment to our principles that make us one and make America possible. We said, come to America and you will be free. We're not going to promise you gold. We're not going to promise you riches, but we're going to promise that you have a shot. You have a chance. This was our promise. And to honor that promise, we vowed to expect nothing less of future immigrants. Immigration laws in America have undergone many changes. Each packed controversy, complexity, good ideas, bad ideas. Our first naturalization law uh, only welcomed free white persons. And since then, as is the story of America, we've worked to infuse our best principles into immigration policies. One good idea that we've had from the beginning was that our new citizen should be people of good moral character. There are a lot of really good families, I'm sure, that are coming across the border. But there are also some nefarious ones. But that one requirement honors the promise of America and the cost so many families pay to immigrate here. It ensures that life in America will remain better, safer, and freer than the nation you just came from. But they're escaping now to this this place that they think has it all. They have no idea we are turning into the country that they just left. And God help us, we might turn into a darker place than where they left. In March, in March, multiple members of Congress wrote uh, to the DHS secretary that according to Customs and Border Patrol, they had arrested 2,424 criminal aliens so far in fiscal year 2022. By March, they were, they were only 14 shy of the total number of arrests in fiscal year 2020. 14 shy. The criminals, 14 shy of the total arrests from the year 2020. These aren't numbers. These are people's lives. We have enough criminals in our own citizen, our own makeup here, who are threatening good people's inalienable rights. Why in the world would we add more criminals? What compassionate nation would do that? The rape that is happening in the immigrant community is unheard of. 37-year-old man from Guatemala arrested for allegedly raping a preteen girl on multiple occasions while living here illegally in New Jersey. Another man, Tennessee, accused of sexually molesting a child. And then he was deported, and he just came right back in. And he was arrested a second time for raping an underage girl. So he molested a child Instead of put in jail, he is sent back because we have no border security. He came back and raped an underage girl. 
Didn't happen. Didn't have to happen. Oh, if we could just save one child. How about saving many children? I mean, do we have any standards? I mean, someone who robs children of their innocence? Doesn't that fall below the line, shouldn't it? We are destroying ourselves. And um, it doesn't have to be this way. We just have to stop talking politics and start talking common sense and values. When we can unite on a few values, we will be able to fix our country. But right now, everything is so political, and it was designed this way to keep us at each other's throats. I know a lot of Democrats who are very, very compassionate, very compassionate. And I know some politicians on both sides of the aisle could give a rat's ass about what happens to anybody. We need to start talking about empathy and compassion with one another because our children are at stake on so many levels. Back in a minute, I'll tell you about American financing. American Financing, NMLS, 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. So when it comes to debt, you're going to have to pay down later. Credit cards are a horrible, horrible slippery slope. Uh, most of them have variable rates, which means you're going to feel you're going to feel it when the Fed increases rates throughout the year. I think it's next week that they are planning on meeting again. And the, the, the rumor is or the word is that they're going to raise it by another point. When when you're paying 20, 22, 25 percent, you'll never get out from under that. Never, because you're just going to be paying so much in interest. Now is the moment. Today is the day. You need to take action. Give American Financing a call and get a free mortgage review. You can learn all about the custom home loan options available that might fit your budget better than what you're currently dealing with. Home values continue to be on the rise. That equity could be accessed as cash to pay those high interest credit cards off. Please do this. There's no time like do it right now american financing at 800-906-2440 800-906-2440 or go to americanfinancing.net 10 seconds station id pat do you want to talk about uh, mural you want to talk about mural here you can bring her up we have about three minutes uh we played this yes we played this yesterday, Glenn. Uh, I think, but it's uh, I keep thinking about this, especially as you've just been talking about the border situation. The situation with DC Mayor uh, Muriel Bowser, who's gotten just a teeny tiny little taste <laughs> of what the border states are dealing with because of Greg Abbott's uh, initiative to send a lot of the illegals on a bus to DC. They're apparently not pr- appreciating it very much. Uh, here's what she just said about it. Uh, Washington Post reported last week that homeless shelters in D.C. were filling up um, and groups were getting overwhelmed by these buses that Mm. the governors of Texas and and Arizona are sending here full of migrants. How significant is this influx? How many people? Well, this is a very significant issue. Um, We have 
for sure called on the federal government um, to work across state lines to prevent um, people from really being tricked uh, into being getting tricked. on buses. Uh, we, we think they're largely asylum seekers uh, who are going to final destinations that are not Washington, D.C. Uh, I worked uh, with the White House to make sure that FEMA provided a grant to a local organization um, that is providing services to folks. Um, but I fear that they're being uh, tricked into nationwide uh, um, bus it. trips when their final destinations are places all over I the know. United States of America. The worst. I mean, so, you know, what's what's amazing to me is um, that she is she's talking compassionately about how can our city survive? We can't even do mm-hmm. you're Washington, D.C. You're Washington, D.C. You don't even know the names of these border towns and they've got no. nothing, nothing. Right. Exactly. And listen to her whining about this already. It's only been going on for a couple of months. They could only have a few hundred people there. And she's already gone whining to the federal government to make it stop. She wants them to stop coming to her town because she realizes how difficult a problem this is. Uh, you know, for for Texas and Arizona and New Mexico, who have been dealing with this forever, uh, now you get just a tiny little taste of it in a, for a few weeks and you just can't take it? You go running to the federal government? Wow. Wow. It's, it's unconscionable what's going on. And they're still using the 11 million figure, by the way. They've been using that number since I moved to Houston 21 years ago. There's still only 11 million illegals? Huh. With a million or two million or three million coming across the border every year? Huh. Weird. The Glenn Beck Program. Retirement. It is one of those things that we all think of from time to time. You might even dream about retiring, hoping you get there sooner rather than later. If you've saved a lifetime for that retirement, then the real question now for you is, with the stock market plummeting, uh, it's, it's not going to grow your account. How are you going to be able to hang on? How are you going to be able to replace that money? Gold and silver can be a great, very conservative way to keep what you've worked so hard to uh, save um, still yours. You know, I, I, I'm at the point now where uh, we're all going to take a haircut. I, I just don't want to lose everything, you know? Can I, can I have something left at the end? How defeatist is that? But that's the kind of country we're living in now. Gold and silver. Just put some of, uh, some of your 401k and your retirement into gold and silver and find out about the 6% in free promotional medals when you start a new IRA or add to an existing account. 6% adds up quickly goldline.com 866-GOLDLINE. Check out my show, Pat Gray Unleashed, every day, 7 to 9 a.m. or anywhere you get your podcast. There are very few things that, um, that would really bother me to the core. Um, and I think everybody would be this way. Being um, thrown into prison for not just expressing your point of view, but to have the facts to back it up. Um, and it's something that is, is so dangerous if you don't pay attention to it. 
Going to prison for that? Boy, I don't know how I would handle that. Tommy Robinson, he is an independent journalist. He actually went to prison for reporting on sexual abuse in the United Kingdom. Um, now he's out. Uh, he's got a new series out in England um, involving, uh, involving a, a community that I guess is the epicenter of, of child rape. Um, and he, he comes out of prison. They admit now that he was right. So I don't know how does he get his time back on that. But now they have said, yeah, this, this child rape thing is really happening in the Muslim community. And he is putting together a, um, a series. Um, and it's The Rape of Britain. And it is quite intense. It takes place in Telford, England. And Tommy Robinson is the man putting it together. Hello, Tommy. How are you? I'm good, Glenn. Thank you. I'm good. Um, first of all, I have to ask you, how do you feel? How long did you, did you spend time in prison? For, for reporting outside of the court case, they took me off the streets, and within two hours, I, was, I literally went to work. I was outside court. As the men were walking in, I was giving the British public the lowdown on what was happening, how many men there were. There were 30 men on trial, how many children they'd raped. And, and, I, and I made sure to say that we were awaiting their verdict. They could be innocent. And I asked each of the men as they walked into court, how, how are you feeling about your verdict? And then they took me off the streets. They locked me up within two hours. They sentenced me to 13 months in prison. They actually let the men go Jeez. home that day after court, and one of them has never faced justice. He fled straight to Pakistan. He packed his suitcase. So they locked me up as a risk, and they let the rapists go home. That all of them were convicted. All thirty were convicted for the horrific torture and abuse of children. And um, and, but then, but then, and then, and then after after twelve weeks, I was I was in solitary confinement for twelve weeks. There was a big, massive. There was there was outrage on outside of in, in the UK and around the globe actually, and and um, and a free Tommy movement was started. I was released from jail, and then because when it went to appeal, they found that everything the judge had done was unlawful. He hadn't asked me to. He hadn't even asked mm. me if I was guilty or not guilty. He literally just locked me up, and then I was released from jail, and then they re-prosecuted me again on the same offence. The next year, they put me back into Belmarsh, which is a maximum security prison, which houses some of the most worst criminals in, in Britain, full of terrorists, full of jihadists. They put me back in jail the year later on the same offence. They retried me again, and they put me back there for another three months. I served another three months. They sentenced me wow. to nine months. We have something in America called double jeopardy. Uh, just appreciating that law here in America, hearing your story. I tell you, Tommy, I... I watched you in front of the uh, the courthouse. I saw them when they arrested you, and I saw a couple of hours later you're going to maximum security prison. And I'm thinking, what the hell is even happening? Uh, it was absolutely outrageous. But uh, kudos to you for now getting out and picking up even stronger. You're doing the rape of Britain. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, yeah, I'd like to, because it, it's hard to talk about it in England. It's hard to talk about it here. Not, I've produced that documentary series, and not one single British journalist has mentioned it. We have exposed corruption to the top of the police. 
with with highlighted crimes. I, I, I spent 12, 12 to 18 months with 10 different victims and their historic victims who have been raped. One, one of the victims raped by over 200 men. And I picked the town of Telford. Oh, my gosh. And the reason why I picked... You know, the, the reason I picked Telford, it's such an important town, is because Telford only has a 1.7% Muslim population. So in Telford, there have been over 1,000 victims. Now, the, the police inquiry identified over 200 local men. The independent inquiry identified 350. Our investigation identified 250. Now, when you do the demographics of that town and you get rid of the under 60s and the over 70s from the Muslim community and you get rid of the women, we're talking that 20 to 30 percent of the men in that town, of the Muslim men in that town were involved in raping the children. Now, when we say raping the children, they're, they're torturing, they're, they're abusing them. And this may sound unbelievable to a lot of American listeners. This has been going on for 40 years with full knowledge of government, full knowledge of police. If you ever want to put into words how powerful political correctness is, then they will sit by and allow the rape of a generation of your daughters in order not to be deemed racist. That is how powerful that tag and that wording has become in the UK. They will sacrifice children at the hands of the multicultural order. And that's what we've witnessed. And, and, in, and, and, and you, I don't know, Glenn, have you heard of Rotherham, the Rotherham report, where there's another famous city with these rapes, where we have 1,400 children raped? I have not. No, so Rother, the Rotherham scandal broke. We had, there was 1,400 children. It, it, it's exactly the same story as Telford. The police knew, everyone, social services knew. They all let it happen. Yeah? Now, Rotherham only has a 3.7% Muslim population. That's a small population. The town I'm born in has a 50%. Okay, that's the town I grew up in. Now, Rotherham has a 3.7% Muslim population. There's not that many there. Yeah? But the, the only two towns that we've had the figures on are Rotherham and Telford. We've had 1,400 children in, in Rotherham and 1,000 in Telford. Now, recently, there was another scandal that broke in a town called Oldham. Now, this is when people need to understand what, what will happen, even in America, no matter where you are. In Oldham, Oldham has a 31% Muslim population. Now that means, because they're over, overrepresented in the council, so when, it, when, when they went for the independent inquiry, which is where all these headlines are coming from, the local council voted against it. When it went democratically, 90% of the Muslim councillors voted to block any investigation. 90% supported by every single Labour politician. So it's the equivalent of the Democrats and Republicans, every Democrat politician, which, which over 50% of them were Muslim, every Democrat politician voted against an independent inquiry into the prosecution, the rape and the torture of a generation of children in Oldham. So you will never, ever get the figures. Once there's a big enough community in certain cities, we will never know the true scale of the problem. I know the scale of the problem because I've investigated this for 10 years. Well, I know how. We're having this... We're having the same kind of problem uh, here, um, a, you know, a different scale, I think, than what you guys have. But uh, it's just beginning. We had a rape of a 10-year-old girl. Um, the president used it as a reason why you shouldn't get rid of abortion. But what he didn't say was, did they catch the rapist? How did this happen? It was an illegal alien. Um, the the border situation is out of control. Sixty percent of the women and the and the girls that come across the border illegally 
are raped along the way, 60%. And wow. where's the compassion? Where is the, where is the truth anywhere? Rape is off the charts. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with our border. It, it, it's, it's when you understand, which I, I've tried to warn America for a decade, you, you've had, when you have Islamic immigration, okay, which you're now seeing through your open border policy as well, it's a different culture, it's a different mindset, it's a different yeah. view of women, it's a, it's a totally different worldview. And every town and city, so we've had 64 of these explosive investigations in towns and cities across the UK. Muslim, Muslims make up 4% of the British UK population. They are respons responsible for 90% of the grooming and rape convictions in gangs. 30% of the men convicted? Oh my Muhammad. gosh. 30% of call Mohammed. You're not even allowed to ask why. You're not allowed to investigate why. When you try to look at why, you're a racist, you're a fascist, you're an extremist, you're an Islamophobe. You must be shut up and you must be silenced. You must be deplatformed. You must lose your work. You must lose your job. And this is, and the attack, the attack in our country against anyone speaking out, I've, I, as I'm watching America, I'm seeing exactly the same as Democrats with the media. I'm seeing exactly the same policies, exactly the same. It's not centralized, it's decentralized. You have certain organizations and certain groups that will go after people, attack them, sue them. They'll use lawfare. They'll use anything. And all of that. And the reason why it's happening is because there's a one world view that they're trying to accomplish and they need that open border. And all of the problems that come with it, they want to hide because they don't care. That, that's the reality. When you accept, they don't care if our daughters are being raped. They do not care. And, our, and, and this is immigration and Islamic immigration hasn't slowed down in the UK. It's, it's sped up. We're not seeing we're not seeing uh, we're not seeing any success in any of this. The problem's getting worse. It's more dangerous for our daughters. When, when, when you understand that in some of these court cases, Glenn, and this is gonna, again, it sounds so unbelievable. A young girl, a child, had her tongue nailed to a table. Another young girl, they got a oh my. Hot iron rod with the they got a hot iron rod with the letter M for Mohammed, and they heated the rod and they scolded her bum when she was 11 years old because she was the property of Mohammed. Now, in my investigation show, if you look at, I, I've done episode one, two, three, and I'm about to release episode four. What We show who the men are. We show how they operate. It's all family. Yeah? All of them are involved. Fathers are raping children with their sons. Brothers and cousins are involved together raping young girls. Now, and, and it's not being addressed. The Telford, the case that you've all seen on the news or you've recently seen, the police identified over 200 men involved. They prosecuted 12. Why? Why are you not? How, how can a man rape a child? In my investigation, I, I have only gone after the men when I have three people, three girls that do not know each other who name the same man. And we are working on a shoestring budget, but yet we are still identifying, which is clear evidence of these men's crimes. We're identifying clear evidence and willing participants who would be willing to go to court. But the reason that this isn't happening is because the police purposely leave, the, leave them in, in, in place. They leave the girls in dangerous and vulnerable positions. So the gangs who run the drugs, they run everything in the town. They control the town with an iron fist, and they're only 1.7% of that town. It's like a horror movie. And anybody wow. who watches our films, you'll see, you'll see it, it. You'll it. see it. It's not... I don't... Yeah. You, you can go to, uh, I'm, I don't mean to cut you off. I'd love to have you back, Tommy, to talk more about this, maybe in a longer format on a podcast. Um, but you can see these episodes on urbanscoop.news 
urbanscoop.news is where you go to uh, to see this. Um, this is happening all over the West, uh, in country after country. It is happening. Um, our cultures are being destroyed, uh, and we're the ones doing it. We're the ones that are allowing it to happen. And while it may not be happening uh, at the scale that it is in the UK with the Muslim community, um, we have a real problem happening with rape of uh, young women and girls uh, that is happening because of the border. Thank you so much, Tommy. I appreciate it. Thank you, Glenn. I'll be happy to come back anytime. Cheers. Thank you. You got it. Bye-bye. Um, our sponsor this half hour is Relief Factor, and Clifton writes in about his experience with Relief Factor. He says, thanks to Relief Factor, I'm 95% uh, pain-free. I feel amazing. I intend to continue taking Relief Factor as long as it continues to work for me. Thank you. Clifton, I, I feel exactly the same way. I am, uh, I'd probably say about 5% uh, of my week is probably spent in pain, maybe even less than that, uh, because of Relief Factor. It took my pain away to the point where I can use my hands and I can, I can paint, I can do the things that I'm passionate about. If you're dealing with pain, please give Relief Factor a try. Not a drug, but developed by doctors. It has four key ingredients that work with your body to fight inflammation, which causes most of our pain. So give it a shot. Three-week quick start now. Developed for you is $19.95. It's a dollar a day like a trial pack. Hundreds of thousands of people have ordered Relief Factor, and about 70% of them go on to order more. So call Relief Factor at 800-4-RELIEF, 800-4-RELIEF, or relieffactor.com. Stay informed. Sign up for the free newsletter today at glennbeck.com. This is the Ledbeck program. I want to tell you and leave you with the uh, story of uh, Larry and Jimmy. Larry and Jimmy, uh, they're from Oklahoma, and uh, they decided that they wanted to go. They wanted to go uh, fishing, and uh, so they were fishing, and they were do- fishing called uh, in a way called uh, noodling. Uh, and noodling is um, catching fish. With your bare hands. <clears throat> now, why you do that, I have no idea. Um, but uh, they were out, you know, hanging out with each other. And that's when Larry started to think about Jimmy. And they were in the water together. And uh, Larry starts to realize that I think Jimmy is communicating with Bigfoot. And uh, he's going to summon Bigfoot. To come and kill me. Now, uh, that we know of, Jim had no communication with Bigfoot. That we know of. Um, and that we know of, he didn't have any kind of telepathic powers either. But Larry was on to him. And so Larry grabbed him. And I, I want to read what he said in the report. Larry advised he believed Jimmy was trying to get away from him. So the Sasquatch could eat Larry. Larry would not let Jimmy get away. Larry punched Jimmy and struck Jimmy with a stick. Larry and Jimmy fought for an extended amount of time on the ground. And then 
Jimmy went to permanent night-night. Larry, safe now from the Sasquatch because he is being held in a protective little, some would call, jail cell. But that is the story of Larry and Jimmy in Oklahoma. This is the Glenn Beck Program.